Hello, friends. Um, before we get into this episode with Robert Phoenix, um, which is the 199th episode of the show, we are almost at 200 episodes, and the 200th episode is going to be pretty massive. You'll see what it is um, soon. <laughs> I want to talk about my childhood in small town Pennsylvania because this episode is all about the Pennsylvania Dutch healing tradition of powwow, um, which was all around me when I was a kid, but I didn't see it. So I'm going to start by sharing uh, a short thing that I wrote for the journal.ie here in Ireland about growing up in Pennsylvania, and then maybe talk a little bit about uh, the spiritual traditions around me, which would have been helpful. Um, so once a teacher made fun of me for saying that it rains frogs sometimes in a class in high school in Pennsylvania, I made a comment about that strange weather and she told me to prove it a request, which was not so easy to fulfill pre-internet. The next day I brought in a book that had a short story on the rare event. She wouldn't look at it, but ridiculed me and told me to return to my lab table and my cut-open frog splayed and pinned to its dissecting pan. My hands and clothes and everything smelled like formaldehyde. Of course, of course, in Pennsylvania, it didn't matter if you were right, only if you were in control. Later, another teacher who years before had punched my brother in the side of the head and weeks before threatened to strangle me in front of the class was talking about Nazis. Not the World War II Nazis, but kids in our area, down the street, in our school. You've got to listen to him, my teacher said about one of my neo-Nazi classmates and his Nazi ideas. He's got some good points. In my town, there was nowhere to go and nothing to do. We were landlocked far from any cities except the post-industrial landscapes of shattered factory windows and fenced-off parking lots that made up Allentown and Bethlehem. There were diners open all night, and those were saving graces. Kids met and sat in booths, drinking coffee and eating breakfast food, talking about whether or not God was real, and what post-bunk bands from D.C. we liked. We would joke about gruesome things. A favorite prank was concealing a packet of coffee creamer with your hand and rubbing your eye vigorously until the packet burst, the false white of your eye spilling across your fingers. We skipped school and gathered under the bleachers at the football game and got drunk and high at parties. Some kids started shooting up and selling heroin. And in our final year, it seemed like all the golden favored kids, good-looking bullies who got good grades and played sports, started doing coke. I was lonely, and I didn't want to do coke, so I set up punk rock shows and started a record label. There were probably easier ways to not be lonely, but I didn't know them. The shows were loud, crowded, sweaty. They were dotted with Nazis who showed up everywhere, and you'd be too afraid to kick them out. They were our classmates, after all. They'd pass you in the hall the next day. So no escape in music, either. The meaninglessness that poisoned people and turned them into Nazis followed you into those spaces. So I'd write stories and read them to friends. A story about a man made out of glass. A story about a priest who killed his confessors. A person eaten by locusts. They were harsh, and they were trying to get at the big picture, like conversations at the diner in the night. My novel, Hawk Mountain, owes its life to that striving, those conversations, but mostly my attempt to confront and contend with the meaninglessness of where I grew up and of school, and to show that there was a beating heart there. 
it's a novel against the way that meaning and value in my hometown were decapitated or impaled before they could go anywhere. Like when the first girl to come out as a lesbian was sent to the guidance counselor because she must, according to the faculty, be troubled. Or when my teacher kicked me for asking too many questions about Harriet Tubman. Or how the bigotry, the evil, was allowed to infuse our everyday language with its presence more than any art or philosophy or spirit. I knew that my neo-Nazi classmates were mostly just living in a sort of oblivion of meaninglessness. If there were more things to do, more encouragement to imagine anything, there wouldn't have been the same void for the nothingness of fascist racism to commiserate with. Maybe then, because they were being preyed upon by the real grown-up Nazis, they were safer than it seemed. Maybe it was a game. Or maybe not, like when two neo-Nazi brothers at a nearby school with swastika tattoos murdered their family. Or when kids stabbed each other after school, or when a neo-Nazi told me he was going to tell everyone at the next punk show that I was a towel head and then pushed me into a crowd of skinheads. This is a book about monsters, my teacher said when I showed her the essay on the reign of frogs, and she pointed to the cover but she didn't open it. It was a book about monsters, edited by Vincent Price, but it wasn't only about fictional ones, it was about oddities, discovered cryptids, murderers. Connor thinks monsters are real, she laughed, and then she made sure everyone joined in. I wish back then that I would have had some connectivity to the living spiritual tradition of powwow, that I would have known that religion was not just some wonky thing that the kids at the Catholic school did or that um, everybody based their politics on in my school. As Robert says on this episode, a lot of people that are into powwow want to reconnect with Christianity and they also want to do something. It helps people. They want to make their Christianity more than just the dogmatic silliness. And powwow can become a home. Um, I'm very touched by this because... I was raised with no religion. I didn't have that uh, violation of religion when I was a kid, where it was just sort of drummed into me, and then I had to heal that wound that was created by it. But I also didn't have anything. I, I didn't even understand like what people were doing when they went to church. I didn't know the difference between Catholicism and other forms of Christianity. It was all just a huge sort of melange for me. Like <laughs> It was very strange. And... I think like the whole idea that I could find the meaning that everybody was seeking in my town uh, through religion, it just wouldn't have been the right place as far as I was concerned. And yet, and yet, I was always interested in spiritual stuff, which is also strange to me. I was writing essays about God and the devil and heaven and hell when I was very young when I was like 10 11 12 I remember writing these short essays about it I don't know why and then as I got older I got into the sort of spiritual content that you know when a band would sing about something that has something to do with spirituality and I got into magic when I was much younger than that when I was around seven or eight years old and I went to an occult store when I was a little older than that and it was just always there but it seemed sort of scattered and directionlessness, 
directionless <laughs> because I had to sort of find it, assemble it on my own. But all around me, spiritual things were going on that were esoteric and Christian. And, you know, still, I could say maybe a little strange. Like, in my town, you would hold the stem of an apple and twist the apple around and say the alphabet. And wherever the stem came off was when you would meet the person you were going to fall in love with um, and that letter of their name. So if you twisted it and twisted it and it came off at J, then you were going to marry someone named Jim or Jennifer or whatever. Um, or you would meet someone significant with that name. It seems kind of unlikely that you would ever marry someone with a Z and their last name at that point. But still, this was something you did. You could also peel an apple and throw the peel over your shoulder and whatever letter it represented would tell you something. It wasn't just all apples or hex signs on barns, um, which I guess were really just aesthetic, but then began to take on spiritual value and then people began to paint them on for spiritual meaning. There was... Um, in Reading, Pennsylvania, uh, <laughs> this guy, John George Homan, um, who distributed this book that he wrote or compiled called The Long Lost Friend, which something called powwow found so much foundation in. There was in my town uh, a murder that was possibly related to a uh, powwow, or, and there was a powwow doctor that was killed not too far away. And of course, um, as time passed, there's also the anthroposophical tradition near my town, um, Waldorf schools and biodynamic farms. There was always a sense of something magical, but it wasn't accessible for meaning. So people turned to these other mystical narratives of Nazism or conservatism or, you know, um, some sort of political allegiance that fulfilled this spiritual longing they had by giving people a kind of almost desperate uh, clinging to, I don't know, I, I want to say tribalism, but I don't like that because tribes are always better than the kinds of political side taking we do now. So then moving to Ireland, uh, I see all this magical tradition here that just infuses the place and again is deeply related to a certain sense of Christianity and also pre-Christianity that fades into Christianity and a kind of pre-Christianity um, that seems very much like Christianity itself. This Pishog uh, uh, tradition here, the divining tradition, the healing traditions. I talked about this a little bit on the episode with Kevin Barry, the great Irish fiction writer um, who talks about having kind of witchy people, healing people in his life. Wouldn't it have been great to have been connected to all of that, to have learned a bit about it? Well, anyway, I'm learning about it now. I asked Robert Phoenix, who is a powwow practitioner and the author of the powwow grimoire, onto my show, and it's so grounding, it's so uh, almost healing to have had this conversation. It was definitely enlightening and helpful to me to understand these traditions of where I came from and the adjacent traditions like dowsing. Um, powwow, 
what do I say about it? Well, I mean, Robert goes into detail in the episode to explain it, but I will just say, you know, I'm going to understand these sort of slightly magical seeming traditions to, in some places, heal people, in other places, to tend to livestock, to ward off curses and hexes, to help uh, crops and landscape and weather. Um, but all of them come from the uh, faith in God working through the practitioner and God as understood by Christianity. Um, but maybe not the Christianity that everybody's used to hearing about. <laughs> so this is all just a bit of history of me, my town, the meaninglessness that I grew up in, um, and also the meaning that was there all along that I didn't see. I'm so excited to share this episode with Robert Phoenix with you. Against Everyone with Connor Habib is almost 200 episodes old now. This is episode 199. We're getting to episode 200. That means there are about 300 or so hours of free content available for everybody. The only way it's free, the only way I can do this and continue to do it, um, the way I feel enthusiastic about doing it <laughs> is, um, you know, not just from the conversations I have, but from the support I get from listeners through Patreon. The show only gets money through Patreon and through listeners, um, through people who support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Connor Habib, C-O-N-N-E-R-H-A-B-I-B. You can sign up for any level that you want. If you like this show, remember all the episodes are free to you, but they're not free to me. And it costs me money and time to research, to buy books, to travel, to have the equipment, to have the platforms, all that kind of stuff. So when you contribute, there's an association, a relationship, a connectivity that happens that fuels these conversations. So this is uh, 199 and 200-something really special is going to happen. This show's been going on for five years. It has lots of listeners. And I always use more support because... That's how it runs. That's its blood, its currency, and its circulation. Thank you so much. Patreon.com forward slash Connor Habib. Here's my conversation with Robert Phoenix on episode 199. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Against Everyone with Connor Habib. Hello, Rob Phoenix. I'm very happy to be talking with you. Hey, Connor. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Um, okay. So <laughs> let me maybe start with something that's a little sort of more fundamental. I, I talked about what Powwow was a very brief way in the beginning of the show, but um, maybe you could sort of lead us through a kind of... Um, like what would happen if someone came to you uh, for, you know, for powwow? So, you know, they had, let's say, we can take like a, a headache or a burn or something like that. Maybe something that you encounter commonly. Could you just walk us through the procedure so I can, 
you know, give people that are listening uh, a better illustration of exactly what happens in a session? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, well, sometimes, like you said, if uh, if somebody has a, a, a headache or they just get a burn or a bee sting or something, that's kind of powwow as first aid. You know, you're just going to kind of do something and then go about your day. Uh, so generally, uh, uh, like a basic healing ritual or charm, whatever you want to call them, would involve... Um, a spoken component and some gestures with your hands. Uh, a lot of times it's moving the hand back and forth over the area that's, you know, burned or bug bite or over the head if it's a headache. Um, and there are various rituals and charms like I have on my website that say specific words for specific um, illnesses. So, so you can just kind of imagine, uh, you know, you and I are working out in the garden together and you get bit by something, you know, and so I'll take your hand where the bite is and I'll speak a few words over it, make a few gestures, you know, and we'll do some actual basic first aid as well. And then that's it. We go about our day. Um, it's pretty simple. It's pretty much just, uh, you know, you know Powell, we don't really overthink it. You just kind of do what you need to do and then move on with your day. Now, if you have somebody scheduled as an appointment to come for you or to come to you for some powwowing, that might be a little more involved. You might have them uh, seated in a chair facing east. That's traditional at the direction of sunrise. Um, you may work a healing ritual over them, maybe over their entire body or whatever, depending on what they're coming to you for. You might offer them an herbal remedy some sort of uh, natural home remedy that you've made for them. Um, also maybe a, a protective charm or talisman, if that's part of the work you want to do for them. Uh, it really just varies on what, you know, what, what people need at the time. Uh, I don't know. That yeah. kind of give you an idea. Yeah. 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 I'm just trying to give people sort of a typical powwowing experience. I mean, I mean, I know you're saying it's highly individualized, but you know, just so people can sort of get a picture. I mean, because normally, you know, with the with the show, I always kind of just jump in the deep end first. But I thought like there'll be some people be sufficiently like like not acquainted with this that we have to do a little bit of foundation work. I mean, the thing that's the thing that's interesting to me is when I'm saying people will be unfamiliar with it is, you know, I grew up in Pennsylvania, not too far from where you are. And in fact, when I was a kid, um, I'm not sure who made this, but someone made, um, I, I'm, what is it? Is it Him, Himmel's, Himmel's briefs or something? Yeah. Himmel's briefs. They made like a little framed, um, you know, kind of blessing for my name. And they also did it for my sister with these birds and the kind of writing and so forth, even though I'm not, I'm half Irish and half Syrian, but the neighbors had done that for us. And I grew up, you know, around, uh, you know, well, I know we'll talk about maybe the history of hex symbols, but hex symbols and dowsing and all this sort of stuff. But I, I just never, it was so normal to me that it never occurred to me that there was actually an American esoteric tradition happening in Pennsylvania. And it wasn't until, honestly, I read this book by someone who's been on the show multiple times, A Cult America by Mitch Horowitz, who, you know, he wrote about where I grew up and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, and then that led me to Chris Pilardi's book, The, the Red Church. 
and and then on to you. And um, I felt such an intense connection with all of it because there was so much of it already in my um in my development and in my psyche and even my sense of, I would say aesthetics. Um, and so when I think of people not being aware of it, I think even people grew up around it, it just becomes so normal for you that you don't see it in a way, you know? No, you're absolutely right. They didn't, it, it wasn't made a big deal of, you know, you didn't, especially in the more agricultural areas, it was just, it was just part of what they did. Uh, you know, they might, oh, you, you know, your grandmother might know a, a good charm for a burn or a bee sting. Um, and it was just kind of part of their first aid. You know, it wasn't like, I'm going to do something specifically powwow right now. It wasn't like that. It was just part of what people did and what people believed. Um, mm -hmm. So you're right. Very, very, very uh, normal and common here in Pennsylvania. Yeah, and it's very similar. Like in Ireland, there's you know there's a pishog or there's a kind of there are sort of healing traditions here that you know and, and divination. We'll probably talk about those a little bit more, but like the that uh, and divining um, that are very similar um, to uh, in a lot of ways. There's a lot of sort of overlap, at least in some of the outward stuff um, to powwow that people just don't consider. You know. It, it doesn't light up in them as something that's sort of out of the ordinary for most people, but I'm assuming why I'm, I'm, I'm taking it there one to give you a picture of me and my encounter with it, but I'm also taking it there to say like, you know, you have spoken about how you found yourself sort of feeling around pagan traditions and stuff like that for a little while until you realized, Oh, here's this thing that's been here <laughs> all along. And maybe actually that's for me. I'm wondering if you notice a way in which powwow and these things light up in people, they come to a kind of awareness of, Oh, that's something I can do. That's something I can learn about rather than that's something in the background of my life as someone who's from Pennsylvania. Um, that's something that I, I see now and is usable and I'm drawn to it. Do you have any idea of how that happens, when it happens, for whom it happens to, that sort of thing? Um, well, since I really started just, just about a year ago, I started teaching more people. Um, than I ever did before. And I think one of the common, the common uh, things that binds all these people together that are learning Pawa now is that people have been searching for a way to make their Christianity something more than just boring church, something more than just all that dogmatic, you know, silliness. And they, you know, because people wanted to still connect with the idea of Christ and God. And they also wanted to do something that was kind of like magical, you know, and help people with it. And so powwow has been sort of like a home for those people. Uh, it, you know, so, and I think with myself, I was always searching for a way to have God in my life, but I was always told that I was going to hell. There was nothing I could do to change that. And, uh, uh so eventually, you know, powwow was powwow was the way for me to have that that connection to God, but also, you know, the more the, the more sort of supernatural, esoteric things that I've always been attracted to, like uh, you know, uh, 
folk magic and, you know, talismanic things and astrology and such. So I think it is a way for people to uh, realize they can reconnect with, you can reconnect with your cultural roots. You can connect with something that's right from our very own state. Um, and it's a way to still have that uh, connection to God and do something to help people. You know, and it doesn't require us to be uh, Bible thumpers or whatever. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of a home for the people who just uh, couldn't really find a home somewhere else. That's all, that's the best way I can put it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, my reconnection. So I was, I was raised with no religion at all really my my mother was raised by like super fundamentalists she was raised by Gideons and my father from Syria trying to recreate his religious experience in Pennsylvania even though there's you know certain orthodox church like it just wasn't going to work you know from his little village so but I was always drawn to Christianity but just I would say I was always drawn to sort of religious and spiritual experiences but I finding my way to Christianity took you know encountering Rudolf Steiner and anthroposophy and um and what and and basically you know a sort of renewed Rosicrucianism in a way but I think the thing that's interesting to me is of course you know a lot of people would tell me as they would probably tell you that that's not that that's not Christian, that the things that you do aren't actually tied into Christianity. They would say that to me too, obviously, if I'm talking about all the weirdo shit that anthroposophy gets into, you know, like, so, but, but of course, you know, then we know we, we have a, a sense of, you know, the truth of what we're encountering and what we're doing. So you think when you talk about people coming to you, they've already felt that sense of separation or condemnation. So they're able to feel sort of more comfortable in conducting powwow and in their sort of uh, affinity for, for powwow, because they've already felt the rejection. Like they don't have, they've sort of pre-dealt with <laughs> the problem or something like right. that. Right. Right. Yep. You, uh, I've met so many people that are even hesitant about learning powwow because, you know, they say, well, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of dealing through some trauma I faced going to Catholic school or being raised by, you know, mm. these like hardcore uh, biblical Christians. And it's a shame because that's that's their trauma comes from people, other people. It doesn't come from God. It comes from people's translation of that. And. Yeah, I think powwow is a nice way of just getting back to the basics. It's just you, your personal relationship with God, and how you're going to bring that into the world through your healing practices. And it requires nothing else. And I just, I really think that's important. I don't think that people back in the old days saw it that way, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's a different world now. And I think a lot of people want to reconnect to something from the past, a more simple, a simple way of doing things. Um, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I don't, I, I can only speak from my own experience and what I've seen from other people, but it is, like I said, it is like a, a home for those disenfranchised people, you know, the weirdos. <laughs> is it, I mean, that's really beautiful though, isn't it? That, that means that like actually 
when you approach powwow like if you if you've felt disenfranchised or the or like a weirdo as you approach it it actually has a healing or curative effect just in the approach like for your relationship with god and and christ it begins to sort of um heal the the kind of wound that's been you know created by as you say people and, and institutions right yeah that's right um do you so there's the other side of it then too, right? Which is that I'm sure <laughs> there are pagan communities or other spiritual communities that are like, can't deal with the Christian aspect of it. So, but that's actually probably, if I were to guess there were more listeners on <laughs> for this show, they might be more sort of attuned to like, oh yeah, but it's Christian, you know? So what, I mean, how do you, do you have to, do you find yourself mediating that? sometimes too not just the people that have the kind of riff with you know christianity but um Um, unfortunately uh some some of like the neo-pagan people have decided to take powwow and change it and take out the christianity and try to make it useful for neo-pagans but this it's just not it's not good they should just leave it alone um I do have some people coming to me to learn powwow that are neo-pagan, but that just want to learn what powwow really, really is. Because mm. some of the some of the uh, neo-pagan information that's out there about powwow is not true. It's not culturally correct. It's not religiously and historically correct. And so then they come to me to find out what really is this powwow all about? And like, okay, I get it now. I'm going to leave it alone. It's not for me. Mm. You know, and that's great. Um, I just think it's so important to have the right information. But yes, I mean, uh, more neo-pagan people want to learn about it because it's a folk magic practice. Uh, But then once they learn the truth of it, they often will leave it alone. Although um, we have had one or two people say, you know what, this is more for me. This is more what I was looking for religiously and whatever, you know, this seems more, you know, suited to my own search for spirituality and for folk magic. So I'm going to stop doing what I was doing and I'm going to embrace it this fully. Um, and that sometimes happens. Uh, but I think it's anybody that wants to be educated, you know, it doesn't matter to me what they believe or where they're from or who they are. I'm happy to help educate them. And all I ever ask of anybody that I teach is just be true about it. Don't, don't turn it into something that it's not because it's a culture. It's so closely tied in with our culture here. Mm-hmm. and our state's history you know i it's so important to be respectful of that whether you want to practice it or not mm-hmm. can can you maybe then say like why like you're you're sort of making the distinction which i agree with but you're you're making the distinction between like okay so some people who are neo-pagans will come and they'll want to learn about it just sort of learn what it is and and figure it out but then like the practitioners that are, you know, trying to sort of de-Christianize it or whatever, that it's not, it's not working for them, or maybe it's like kind of sort of, I don't know how to say it. It's like messing with the field a little bit is maybe a way of just saying it plainly, but how do they, like, what what's the problem there as you see it? I mean, I, we, we can just say like, okay, well, actually like this has Christian not just Christian origins, but it's just infused with Christianity. I mean, that's what it is. And it's, it's an, you know, 
an extension of of Christ and Christianity. But but as far as sort of working it or doing it or whatever, can you talk about that sort of tangle there? Because I mean, I would agree with you, although I don't have really much experience with powwow, but I agree that what you're saying is correct. <laughs> but can you okay. sort of flesh that out and and articulate it a little bit? Sure. Um, so in powwow, we believe that we're just doing the work, but the actual healing comes from the Holy Trinity as understood within Christian tradition. Mm-hmm. So all of our rituals and charms are done in the name of God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Ghost. And it's God that makes it happen, not us. Um, so we have to set our ego aside and just let God do God's thing. But outside of Christianity, so if I were to, you know, if you were to come to me and say, hey, I like this, but I'm going to do, I'm going to switch out God and, and put Thor there mm-hmm. instead and do everything in the name of Thor. Well, my first question is, who says Thor does that? Where does, <laughs> where does it say that Thor will you know, call upon me in the hour of need and I will assist you. Where does it say he'll do that? And second, you know, Thor might not appreciate you taking Christian things and switching them up and adding his name to it. Where does it say he's okay with that? You know, um, plus again, it's such, it's a cultural tradition. It's, it's so very much tied into the, the struggles of the Pennsylvania German, like the immigrant, from you know the german-speaking immigrants that came to the united states for their religious freedom and by religious freedom if they weren't catholic they were persecuted you know so you had these protestant waves coming the anabaptists and such and it would be so disrespectful to those people and their struggle um you know my own family came from austria because they were what was considered what was called german reformed but you had to be catholic there or you were persecuted so they came here to Pennsylvania. Um, So to say, well, I'm going to switch it up and I'm going to use Zeus and Thor instead. Well, that's disrespectful to the culture. It's historically never existed in the world. Um, It's totally made up. You literally have to change everything. And then do those gods do this kind of work? Can you call on Zeus to get rid of a headache or a wart or to cure a burn? Like, where does it say Zeus does that? And you know, if, you know, a lot of these people, and this, I could go on and on about this, and I don't want to, but, you know, you have like neo, neo-pagan neo groups, they say, oh, we're this ancient religion, we're doing whatever they were doing in the pre-Celtic, whatever, times, well, then do that. Why do you need to pick up, why do you need to take powwow and twist it? Because if you already have your own stuff, just do that, and leave powwow alone. It's a nice little American, Christian, Pennsylvania, Dutch tradition, just leave it alone. Um, Mm -hmm. if you have something ancient and you're tapping into something ancient, then just do that and leave everybody else's things alone, Mm -hmm. you know, but sometimes they want to say, oh, well, I'm also a broker too. Well, they're trying to give themselves validity by saying, oh, I practice this tradition that's existed in Pennsylvania for 300 years, but they're not doing, they're not practicing it. They're just kind of taking the name. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, just leave it alone. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I see, it seems like there's some sort of like, um, like I, I get the sense that like, if there are a way to somehow make coherent <laughs> the sort of bringing together these things, it wouldn't be quite so objectionable, but it actually just sounds kind of incoherent. Like, so I, I understand. I mean, it's something that I, I, I'm still trying to kind of get here 
you know, people who are diviners here, um, I mean, when I say that it reminds me of powwow, like it's the same messaging, which is like this, this is God and Christ and Mary because of the sort of Catholic, you know, influence here coming through me to do the healing. It's not me doing it. Um, and some of the, some of the, uh, rituals are actually quite similar. Um, and, you know, so, but there are all different kinds of, um, (laughs) variations here. Like for instance, one of the figures that comes up in your YouTube videos and your writing, um, you know, are the hexary, like the, the witches basically, but there's also this like de-witching, de-witcher figure or, um, an anti-witch kind of figure who might use powwow, you know, against like certain curses or whatever. And here you would have, at least for a while, and there still are some, but there are fairy doctors because the, there weren't like the idea of witches in Ireland, while there is some witchcraft here, and I, I did a whole episode on witches in Ireland, like it's mostly the things that you would attribute to witches, you would attribute to the elemental kingdom here, that you would attribute to fairies, you would attribute to the other world here. So you have fairy doctors doing the same kind of thing. So even though there's overlap, there are these kinds of distinctions. And I find all that like really fascinating. But there, but there are, and there must be elsewhere too, like healing traditions that say, this is God working through me and have you had like sort of interactions with people that are doing that that actually seems to align with powwow more than say someone saying well i'm just going to you know switch out thor and i don't know what they would do for the the crosses um or the <laughs> x grants or whatever but you know whatever yeah um yeah so there is but yes uh getting back to what you were saying about the irish i I don't know what the the correct word for those the Irish people because I always call them the Irish charmers, and I have this great article about the things they do. And yes, it's very much like powwow, and it but it is blended with their regional cultural customs. You know the fairy doctors and such, which I th- I'm fascinated with. Um, but here in the United States, if you go a little bit further south, well, you know along the Appalachian Mountains. You get the uh, the Appalachian conjure people. Um, mm. They're using pretty much the same books that we use in powwow, but it has a slight. They add their own kind of uh, twist on it because the, these people are very uh, like they're living up in the mountains and the forests and such. Whereas mm. Pennsylvania is more sort of farmland. Well, there in the Upper Appalachians, they have. You know, these people had to survive in forested lands and such. So they have slightly different uh, take on their Christianity. And they also have a lot of Irish influence there, too. Mm. So there is some of that, you know, little people of the woods kind of situations going on there, uh, which we don't have here in Pennsylvania. So mm. does that make sense? So it's kind of like powwow, but it blended with Irish, the Irish culture there. So you had the Irish Catholics and they, of course, brought their uh regional folk beliefs and customs about spirits and such, you know, little people and fairies. Mm -hmm. Um, Even further south, uh, where you get into like the, uh, like the, the, the black Baptists um, and hoodoo, 
they're using information that we use in powwow but they're mixing it with you know their uh whatever their regional and cultural customs are so you'll find powwow charms being recited with uh candles being burned for saints and sacred oils being used and herbs and things in ways that are alien to us here in pennsylvania um mm. but it's very interesting that especially that you know the east the east and central parts of the united states we're all kind of doing mm. you know the same thing but with our own regional twist to it yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because I, I realize I'm sort of retrofitting things for Pennsylvania and my growing up there a little bit by saying this, but like there's something about what I know about powwow that just fits Pennsylvania. <laughs> and I, and I, it's, it's hard to sort of express that because what I want to ask you is like, well, there is something about landscape and there's something about place that feels... Mm, almost essential but i don't like saying that because i have so much sort of baggage for you know <laughs> really terrible reasons of people saying blood and soil shit about where they're from and all that right 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 but, but there is something that is um that sort of comes from the landscape that works itself out into these particular forms these particular sort of like Mm, gestures well i know obviously some of it must do with the way people relate to animals and plants in the area that they're from and weather um because of farming and also just surviving and all that sort of stuff but you know it does make me think like is there a way because if, if we talk about it as sort of god working through um uh, so, you know, so, someone allowing God to sort of come through, allowing, asking, inviting God to come through in a certain way. Um, but it does seem to somehow then also intersect with the landscape at the same time, not just the person, but the kinds of forms and ways it works out seems to also come through, I don't know, the ground or the, the, the light or the, the weather or something like that at the same time. Um, I, I, I think I understand where you're going with this. And I, one thing I will say, I don't totally understand where I'm going with this. Okay. So it's fine <laughs> <if you> don't. <laughs> well, well, I can, I can tell you how it is here in Pennsylvania okay. and maybe this will kind of, when you're over, uh, like in Berks County, um, Berks County is very much more, their powwow is more agriculturally tied, mm. you know, more like, uh, the, the care for the farm animals and caring for crops and, you know, growing and planting and such. And parts of Berks County even um, learned some plants, uh, medicinal stuff from Native Americans that were, were once there. So Berks County powwow is very much the, 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 the image of the farmer, you know, and the barn and the farm and the, the hills and the trees and such. Whereas here in South Central Pennsylvania, um, there are more big towns and cities. And so powwow here became more professionalized. Whereas here, you were more likely to see a powwow have a, an office and a sign hanging up. And it would be more people coming for, oh, I believe I've been for hexed, you know, cursed, or I'm just having reoccurring illnesses. So it's a lot less agriculturally based and more professional based. Um, but that's our landscape here. It's a lot like South Central Pennsylvania is a little more flat, 
more cities and towns, more industry, less farming and such with. Um, you know, Lancaster County, uh, you have a lot of, of course, the Anabaptists out there. And because the Anabaptists were publicly opposed to powwowing, those within those communities that were powwowing have kind of modernized their practices and become Reiki practitioners or massage therapists mm -hmm. or veterinarians. So they're still kind of doing the work, but with a more socially acceptable to their community kind of way. So powwow does kind of fit, you're right. It changes with the landscape. It changes with the people. It changes with what's going on in that area, um, but it still retains its, you know, what it is, it's, it's, uh, it's truth that it's Christian, that, you know, we're all using the same terms and rituals, but we're, we're adapting our practice to where we live and the environment we live in. Um, mm -hmm. And that brings, like I said, in the Appalachian Mountains, you know, mixed with all those, the Irish influence, that's, you know, those people are still kind of powwowing, but they're, they're also doing wards against little people and fairies and elves and things that might steal from them. Um, and actually where you're from, a powwow book was written in that town, uh, Katasakwa. The uh, Osman and Steele's Guide to Household Living. Do you ever hear of that? <laughs> no. See, it was it's always yeah. like mind blowing that I don't know. Yeah. Know? And I'm in yeah, right your town. Yeah. Right in your town in the 1800s. It was written by a mother and son, powwowers. But the book was not very popular here in Pennsylvania. However, it was more popular in like Virginia, West Virginia, that sort of thing. And it became an Appalachian conjure book. So it's powwow stuff, but it's slightly used, slightly a different way south. And mm. uh, author Jake Richards just recently re-released the book. Um, and he's an Appalachian conjure guy. Wow. So, yeah, you'll have to uh, check that out. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, right in your hometown, right in your town. I, I, had no, I, I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, also when you're a kid, like growing up in Kawasaki and you're, you know, Syrian and gay and like kind of smart, like all you want to do is get the fuck out of there. You know what I mean? Yeah, or like, find, yeah. you know, <laughs> you don't want, you don't want to find things or, I mean, you still want to find like strange or surprising things, but you don't want to find things that reconnect you or drive you deeper into Katasakwa. you know, <laughs> like not until you're older, do you start sort of reclaiming that sort of stuff and being like, Oh, that's part of me. I want to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll definitely, <laughs> I'll definitely find and read that. Um, I mean, I think, so, I mean, I'm also thinking then about like, part of the reason why I haven't heard of that, or why I think a lot of people where I'm from, aside from it just being background, um, is like the kind of medical condemnation of some of it as well. Like what, I mean, there's a whole like, era of medical doctors and then the formation of, you know, the FDA and everything sort of going after any kind of medicine that doesn't fit a certain form. And I think, you know, with powwow, this becomes particularly like absurd because one, it's not like there's going to be any side effects Two, people aren't really charging people for it <laughs> anymore. And like, you know, and three, it's not like, no, except for some home remedies that are, you know, sort of certainly in there, but it's not like any medicines even being administered that could be constituted as in conflict or regulated. I mean, you couldn't possibly regulate power if you tried. I mean, other than 
you know, like, <laughs> I don't even know how you would do it. So, but I think that that sort of medical intervention is also what's kind of masked people, you know, or like, uh, sorry, I think, that, let me say that again. I think that kind of medical intervention is what's stopped people um, from finding out about it, utilizing it, whatever. And, uh, you know, I don't exactly know where to go with this now when things have been so, I mean, we, we have just dealt with, you know, a couple of years of medical crisis um, and health being at the center of everybody's mind. Um, but do you find like, I mean, that must be part of the reason also, like not to just lay it at the feet of uh, the, the violation of a kind of forced form of religion or, you know, um, the availability of, you know, pagan options <laughs> without, you know, giving esoteric or sort of uh, more um, folk Christianity um, its due. I mean, a big part of it must be that sort of medical, uh, governmental, corporate intervention. Well, um, in the late 1920s in South Central Pennsylvania, then when uh, Howard Nelson Raymeyer was murdered. Yeah. And that's a whole other discussion, but it, you know, it became huge news. And all of a sudden the, the entire country was looking at Pennsylvania and they were thinking, those people still believe in witchcraft. They're still doing folk magic. You know, what is wrong with these people? And so it became a source of shame for the Pennsylvania Dutch because everyone was making fun of us for it and calling us the dumb Dutch and whatever else. So a lot of people just stopped doing it all together. They stopped talking about it, you know, and even now there are some people that say, I know my great grandmother did it, but I, we weren't allowed to talk about it at a certain point in life. And mm -hmm. she refused to talk about it because, you know, we also have to remember the, uh, the, the German speaking immigrants desperately wanted to be American. They just wanted to be American. They wanted to leave it all behind, especially the things that when that came out, that we were still doing folk magic and believed in witchcraft and such, and we were being ridiculed for it. They wanted to let it go. You know, they just wanted to be Americans and be left alone. That's why they stopped speaking their language, started speaking English. And that really deteriorated the culture. Um, mm. So only now, uh, you know, like scholars and uh, Pennsylvania German, um, you know, like historical societies and such, they're really preserving the information that we have about powwow. Like, that's the thing. Powwow is one of the most well, doc best documented folk mm. traditions in the world because we have we have everything we have newspaper articles and everything because mm. it's only like 300 plus years so we still have everything documented um so we know what powers did what they believed you know how they did it and so it's easy to it's easy now because people are looking to get more back to their roots people are trying to simplify get back to nature you know start we're starting to become more reliant on like ourselves now to grow our own vegetables. You know, we want to get back into organic things. And, mm. and I think that's great. And that shift also includes, I think, a way to have some sort of spiritual, you know, connection to something spiritual without having to go to church every Sunday, because, you know, let our farms be our church. And 
So I think it's uh, I, I think it's an important tradition. I think it's a, a very a very good and healthy tradition. And yes, what you said now people come to powwows, but it's in conjunction with whatever they're doing. Go see your doctor, sure. Um, and if you need a medication, take it. Uh, but then if you want something supplemental to that, you know, come to me and I'll help you. And like, and powwow is very socially accepted here now. Mm -hmm. Um, anytime somebody meets me, they, you know, they'll, they usually have an experience with a powwow or someone in their family was a powwow or, you know, that sort of thing, or they've at least heard of it. Um, so it's very socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, it might not be so much if I was saying, you know, Zeus and Thor, I'm going to powwow for you in the name of Zeus. People don't know what that means. That's foreign <laughs> to Pennsylvania Dutch culture. Yeah. So they would not, that's not something they would recognize. But yeah, I think the more true you are to, to the tradition, respectful of the culture and its history, the more acceptable it becomes. And that's really good because then more and more people are going to do that and kind of, you know, because how many people don't have health insurance? So sometimes a powwow is all they got you know, and you want them to be well. And, mm. you know, we can't, we can't start prescribing internal herbal remedies and such, unless you're licensed to do that. But, you know, we can make creams and ointments and such, and it's safe. Um, but yeah, we just, we just have to be careful because we don't want to make anybody's situation worse. And we don't want to give the tradition a bad name, you know, and be known as quacks and whatnot, because, mm. It's not about that. So anyway, uh, to make a long story even longer, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because I'm thinking about all the stuff that's happening around this time when Nelson Raymire, right, is is killed. What is it? 1920? 1920? Yeah. Not too long before then, Bridget Cleary is murdered by her husband for because he thought she was a changeling, right? And the fairy doctor and the priest didn't really do much to help. And that became this sort of like national ha ha ha, like can't believe people in Ireland believe in fairies, right? <laughs> it, it's this weird thing. But then at the same time, you also have like the Fox sisters and spiritualism and theosophy and anthroposophy, all sort of like growing in a kind of popularity, <laughs> which is also this weird, it's almost as if this kind of, um, this sort of deepening commitment to understanding spirituality and understanding healing and just how things sort of work cosmically in relation to God and all that, it, it starts garnering this like kind of like humiliating, ridiculing kind of pushback. And then, you know, that, that then starts culminating in, yeah, like state suppression. And it could be something that, I mean, I don't mean to make light of it, but it could be something uh, like uh, the FDA or this medical pushback, or it could be like, you know, Nazism, like absorbing and killing people that were, you know, uh, parts of other spiritual traditions or whatever. So this is really like intense period of time between like 1850 and like 1950, like that hundred years of this opening up to certain kinds of spiritual tradition. And then like the most kind of like 
brutal socially and actually physically um, backlash to that, you know? And I think we still are, it's, it's really heartening to hear that you're saying that there's a kind of acceptance of powwow, you know, there now, because I think we're still really dealing with a lot of that fallout from those hundred years, which is almost a hundred years ago now, you know? You're right. And that's, I mean, that's humanity though, too, in any, in anything, anytime there's a, a step forward, mm. there's a pushback against that, you know, not to bring politics in it, but we, we see that here in the United States where all of a sudden there's progress, you know, same sex couples can get married and a black man can be president. Well, look what the pushback was on that. Um, several years of hell in our country. So, I mean, progress is slow, but it does happen. But yes, you're right. During those times, that was, you're right. People were just reaching out for all kinds of spiritualism and spiritism and contact with the dead and just these new ways of thinking of things and, you know, and progressing. And then one bad thing happens and the whole world tries to squash it in some way, shape or form. But some things persevere. And I think, uh, you know, powwow is one of those things because it's just part of the people. It's just part of the culture and the history and the religion. And, you know, it's how people understood how God worked. And, you know, mm -hmm. I think we, we're, we're kind of getting back to that in some some respects. Yeah, I, th I think it has something to do with like just that it's it it, un <laughs> it unravels itself in or unravels, unfurls itself or unfolds itself into the world and people's actions and their communities and the way they interact with it one another. Right. Like, whereas something that sort of stays more of a kind of esoteric or aesthetic preoccupation <clears throat> that comes from some spiritual tradition might not. So like what I'm thinking of is the way that, you know, I mean, anthroposophy is so it's, you know, in spite of tons of attacks on it from all kinds of misguided people, um, including some people that are in the tradition, because biodynamic farming and Waldorf schools and community shared agriculture all come from it, it actually is much more like it, it has this sort of stain presence that a lot of other spiritual traditions might not have because it has these ways of playing out in people's everyday lives and not just um some sort of thought realm or the theological realm even though it definitely has that and powwow does too when you start sort of tracing into like how is this what's happening here <laughs> what's going on how is this you know um but yeah i want to take that in one direction but let me ask you first like i mean what is happening <laughs> what is happening there like what like that is the question like when you, you know, it's not just a laying on of hands and it's also not some hugely elaborate, you know, ritual. It's something quite complex yet seemingly outward is, is very simple, but like, there's a lot of complexity to it as well. But like, what, why should it be that way? Like, how is it working out that way? It's not just faith healing, right? And it's not just right. Reiki, which is, I mean, Reiki's interesting, but it's much vaguer and it's like, you know, particularities and like what's going on. And um, so what, what is going on? So, <laughs> um, this is a part that I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't understand. 
Um, and once people do find an understanding, they realize it's either not for them or it is for them. Because powwows, because we believe in God, and that's not optional because it's God that does it all. Hmm. We, over the centuries or whatever, have realized that these uh, certain little spoken charms, gestures and such, um, they function almost as uh, very specific coded messages or prayers hmm. to affect a certain change. So if you're sitting in front of me and I'm doing a certain, uh, you know, uh, uh, an anti-headache ritual for you, um, those words and those gestures are my connection to God to say, God, this is what this person needs. Um, you'll notice throughout history that the powwows often ask their patients, do you believe in God? And the, the idea is that if the, if the patient says yes, then they have a connection to God. So you have a connection to from the powwow to God, from the patient to God. And then the patient also needs to uh, trust in the powwow. So it's like this triangle, this connection. You know what I mean? So if you come to me and you think, oh, I, you know, I know Rob's a powwow. I think he can help me. Already, you and I have a connection. And I am connected to God by my belief. But you say, yeah, well, I don't believe in God. Well, there's something missing there. Mm. You see it? Do you understand what I mean? There's a mm -hmm. piece of that triangle missing. Like, yeah, I believe in Rob. I don't believe in God. Um, <laughs> then I'll say, I'll try for you. Um, but you've already kind of closed yourself off to the healing power of God there. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, if you come say, yes, I do believe in God. Yes, I do believe in powwowing. Rob believes in God. We have a nice, a nice triangular connection there. And so I'm going to do what I do. That's my message to God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on earth as it is in heaven, it's or as above, so below. It's what, I, what's, what I'm saying we need here. You know, I'm sending that message up to God to send it back down. You know, I, I'm saying it all wrong. And it's really a more simple. There is a better way to say it. Um, it's it's a weird question. So I, I appreciate the sort of working through because the question is essentially like, why does this why does this work? And the, this very simple answer is because, well, you know, through God, all things are possible, not my will, but thine, you know, like I'm here, right. I'm here and I'm here because God wanted me to be in this room with this person doing this act. And here we go, you know, right. and it all sort of fits together in this weird clockworky kind of, <laughs> you know, thing, but, but, you know, in, in another sense, like that answer doesn't, come to satisfy the the question um it is the right answer it's the actual answer but it doesn't it, in another weird way it doesn't answer the question at all which is like why this and not this and i think that that's the thing that we get sort of tripped up on like why should this work which it does sometimes but not um wh why doesn't just pure faith healing always work or why doesn't just you know hypnosis work why doesn't just positive thinking work you know i think that's where we start finding the kind of um weird like uh boundary of how we can understand the statement of well god just wants me in the room doing this thing you know so i think that's kind of the question that i'm trying to ask which i don't expect you have an answer for i mean it doesn't it doesn't mm -hmm. But but we can try 
to mess around with one and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, I kind of have, I kind of have my own thought on this. Um, you know, cause that's one of the things people always say to me, well, why not just pray then? Why do you have to do all this? Well, this is because we're, powwow is the way the Pennsylvania Germans do this. Mm. This is their way of doing this. Um, this is our culture's way of mm. praying and bringing healing to the neighbors and the, you know, the community and such. Um, because one thing about powwow is it's, yes, it's a religious practice in the sense that you believe in the, the Trinity as defined within Christian tradition. Um, it's an historical practice because we've been doing it for several hundred years. It's a cultural practice because this is how our culture has defined how you're going to help, you know, ask God to heal people. So we're, we're going to use these specific rituals. Yeah, we could just pray, but then we're not doing powwow. We're just praying and that's okay. But powwowing is a very specific set of rituals and such that our culture does just like other cultures say, well, when we pray, we always light candles and we use sacred oils and such. And that works for them because that's what their culture has defined as active prayer. Mm -hmm. um, so we all have our own things that, you know, all cultures, I should say, have their own various ways of connecting with God and asking God to heal. And that's as defined and set forth in their cultural traditions. Mm -hmm. um, do we need any of those things? Probably not. I don't know. Um, but if I mean, the more, I guess, kind of power we can add to it, the more we can connect with our culture. You know what I mean? It just keeps a piece of the culture alive. Uh, I don't know. So there you go. I kind of lost my train. But No, no, no. I uh, well, look, it's a it's a it's a tricky one. I mean, I, yeah. I'm thinking a lot about. So there's the I don't know if this, you know, the Cypriot healer, Daskalos, the Christian Cypriot healer, and he. You know, <clears throat> he would talk with people often. I mean, he knew a lot of different languages and he would sort of talk to them in their own languages and use their sort of uh, their language or some part of their healing tradition, wherever they came from, from around the world to see him. And he was like, it's actually all, I'm doing the same thing with everybody, but there's a kind of um, navigation space that I have to go through to reach certain people. And even when someone came in who was an atheist, he just pretended that he wasn't doing anything, <laughs> which I found really interesting. So it's like, you know, okay, so if you're Pennsylvania Dutch, like you have this kind of like way of being able to perceive God in the cultural form. And this is it. Like that God has to come through the cultural form, come through the 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 land or where you grew up to come through um the understanding and the way you relate to your neighbors and so it's a very complex like um presence of god that requires the sort of uh connectivity to all these elements in a way not always you know obviously not always because not all people that are doing powwow encounter it all those things in the same way but there's something about like you know, this is the best way for me to bring together these elements to see or recognize this presence that's here with us of, of God or so, something like that is maybe the way I would try to rephrase what you were saying. I don't know that right, that's yeah. clearer, but it's just trying to sort of get at it, you know? Yeah, it's just, this is just how we do it. <laughs> just <laughs> how we do it. Yeah, well, for people who want to read uh, <laughs> Rob's book, um, 
the power of grammar is like the 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 phrase you keep using is well there you go <laughs> the, there you go yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go um <laughs> I, but uh yeah i mean i'm also thinking then about like the okay so let me just step back and say something you said before was you know people don't have health care and so they're accessing powwow more now something that comes up on this show all the time is the class dimension of medicine especially in the u.s but pretty much everywhere but in the u.s pretty starkly so where people are accessing like i had a, a tarot reader on and she was just saying you know honestly this is like how people have therapy a lot of times now is by using tarot and like because they, they don't have therapy as an option um or people accessing healing arts in one way that's why people access eating like a certain kind of diet or certain foods they might even say, you know, I'm going to do astrology because, you know, I want to be able to have some sort of organizing principle around my extremely stressful week and year um, where, you know, work is making these horrible demands on me in the kind of world that we inhabit now. So I just one want to point out that I really appreciate that you brought that aspect up because I think <clears throat> anyone who scoffs at powwow or any form of medicine that people are accessing that's sort of outside of the mainstream like that to me has a has a, that that scoff is you know lacking the compassion to see the class situation for like tons of people um we can elaborate from there whether or not people should be doing alternative medicine or should we be you know propping up you know, people's access to healthcare more, but the reality is that's where it's at right now. And so I really appreciate that you brought that up. I do even think about like the, the, um, I don't want to say diagnosis. I don't know how to say this, but you know, something you say within, with a, there you go, um, kind of spirit in your book is like, look, sometimes you do, sometimes you try to help people and it works and sometimes it just doesn't. And that's just how it is. And it occurred to me that like, in, in some of those cases, that must be because something about their illness does have something to do with their freedom and something about their relationship with what they're supposed to be doing or focusing on in their lives, where the intervention is not necessarily of, of someone doing powwow is, is not the same for someone that comes to you with, um, uh, you know, a problem that is meant to be addressed by a practitioner do you have a sense of that like when that happens um okay i can see that this person is contending with this issue and i really can't do anything because that would actually be interfering with their freedom versus i'm assisting them in where they're going and what they need to know i'm i'm, I'm nudging with this healing well actually uh myself and a couple other powwowers had a similar discussion about this last night and what we say is uh we're not going to try to analyze anything if somebody comes to us we say okay i'll try for you yeah. and we'll do whatever it is we know to do for that but then we tell them ultimately it's you know it's between you and god we will try for you um but we don't we don't analyze it we don't try and solve it we don't you know because we don't know and we don't try to get into spiritual theological discussions with our with our patients we just 
okay, you've come to a powwow. I'm going to do what powwow does and then send you on your way. Um, and we have to, we have to keep it at that instead of guessing or trying to figure out like, well, maybe, you know, their soul has to evolve. You know, we don't know. We don't know that. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to say that to anybody because we don't know that, you know, that's not what powwow is. That's not what we do. That's not our role for people. Do I think, you know, it may very well be possible that when I'm trying for somebody, God's like, okay, that's, that's nice of you to do this, Rob, but I've got plans for this person, uh-huh. <laughs> or, you know, but we don't know that. Um, or maybe the person doesn't want to get better, you know, and they just want to keep seeing because they, you know, we've had people that have left my house and then I have a friend who's a Reiki, a Reiki practitioner. She's like, oh, I have an appointment with that person. You know, they called me and scheduled a Reiki. So they're, they're like the, the, the magical junkies, the healing junkies. Mm. <laughs> um, but no judgment. They come to me. I'll just do my piece, send them on their way, and then let go and let God. So that's just kind of how you have to be. And it's not meant to be cold. It doesn't mean we don't care about the people because, of course, we do. But people have their own lives to live. And it's, you know, whatever God has in store for them is, you know, mm. um, we just don't overthink it. You know, it will either work for you or it will not, but we'll try. Yeah. I, you're reminding me the way you're saying it. There's this thing that Rudolf Steiner said to like the doctors that he worked with for anthroposophical medicine. And he just said like, look, at, as the doctor, you have to go in with absolute knowledge that you will be able to heal this person and you'll be able to help them. And weirdly at the same time though, you have to hold the understanding that karma is real and that you can't save everybody. <laughs> so it's <laughs> holding those two at once creates almost this lemnus gate where there's this like sort of contradiction or this paradox or wherever where the healing occurs. And sometimes healing occurs by not being able to heal the person, you know? Um, and that is a hard truth maybe. And then of course, of, of course, sometimes practitioners just fail. It's not, you know, all like, well, yeah, must be God wanted them to not get back. You know, sometimes like a practitioner can just sort of not, but holding that attitude and that tension between those two things, I think is um, what really brings the healing spirit to the, the room. So I'd like, I mean, it seems to me at least like you're saying something quite similar to that. Um, yeah, you have to be honest with people. You can't say, you know, no matter what, if somebody says, you know, I'm diabetic. You you can't say, ah, no worries, I got this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not a problem. That's it. But no, we say, well, I'm gonna, I'll try for you. I'll do what I know how to do in this situation. I can make no guarantees or promises. Um, it's between you and God. I'll if if you if you're better or your symptoms improve, all praise, honor, and glory goes to God. And if not, you know, I you know, I'll just try. That's all I can do. Mm. Uh we just have to be that way. And it's, and most people understand that, you know, we just last week, we, several of us tried for an 18 year old girl who just fell sick with this mystery thing. And the mother reached out to me. Um, so I put the word out there to other powwows and we all kind of, you know, because it was a mystery, we all kind of did our own thing. What we thought might, might help her. Well, she passed away the next day. Um, you know, and the mother said, thank you for, you know, whatever you did. I appreciate it. You know, um, but sometimes, you know, 
-hmm. Sometimes it just is what it is. And we can't, we can't control that. We just do what we do, you know, and we hope for the best. We hope the person is better or that it's, you know, that God's going to make at least a little positive difference in their life or make their transition to the afterlife easier. Um, But that's not up to us. We just do what we do and let go and let God. And that's just the way it has to be. Yeah, I think it's, well, first of all, thanks for sharing that. I mean, I think like the, it's this, you know, Dr. Andrew Weil, and he says like, when people say to him, how long do I have to live? He always says, I don't know. He's like the only, that's the only answer I can ever give honestly when someone asks me a question like that. And sometimes it's years and years and sometimes it's a day, you know, and that's, yeah. So I think that's quite profound. Um, I, I think like um, when I'm talking about (laughs) all of this and I'm talking about like D witchers and distinguishing between um, people who are using powwow with, well, as you said, like bringing sort of Thor into it or whatever and um, thinking about medical communities, trying to uh, other medical communities, trying to distinguish between what's sort of, you know, huckster fraudy stuff and what's genuine and so on and so forth. I keep thinking about how much we've lost the ability to actually make these distinctions hold place for um, deeply important and valuable traditions um, and real healing or occult or spiritual traditions and being able to sort of separate out and see what's real and what's not. Because part of the, all the stigmas that I've talked about and all the sort of bundles of like pushback and everything is that we've removed the figure of the de-witcher or the anti-witch or the cunning man or whatever. In other words, people that can look into spiritual matters and kind of make real determinations or thoughtful determinations about what's working and what's not working and what was kind of just made up bullshit and what isn't. And I think that that figure is like really, really important now. And I'm wondering if, I mean, I know you do some work as doing sort of with, with paranormal researchers. um, But I'm wondering if, and I think they serve that role to some extent that paranormal researchers serve that role to some extent, although it can get a little science bro-y for me in a way that I don't always like. I'm not saying your group does, <laughs> but but I'm wondering if you have encountered people like that too, people that were sort of doing the work to make the distinctions there. Um, or do you think that that just happens only in communities, only in groups of people that we don't have figures like d witchers or fairy doctors or whatever anymore that can bring that kind of knowledge or information to people um at least in pennsylvania german folk traditions um we don't really have that sort of uh that sort of approach where we're like a psychoanalytic approach or some high spiritual, you know, I was a couple of years ago, a friend took me to a holistic expo and I had never been to one before, but I thought it was pure insanity. It was total (laughs) madness. And I had never seen such ridiculous things in my life. Mm. Um, There were people with these big copper rings, like, Mm. like 
running them over people and then the people are like oh wow the energy of this and uh holding triangles over their head and like a gong and like i don't know it was just wackiness but but some of the stuff i found was disturbing there were people who were uh they could communicate with your dead pets mm. and it was like ten dollars a minute you know and so people are sitting there weeping mm. while this person is saying oh yeah you know fluffy is in a, a garden and He's happy running around in the summer land or whatever. And, you know, and these people are weeping because they've just lost their pet. So I don't like that. I don't like people who claim to have the answers is really where I'm going with this. Um, I just don't like that. And you see that a lot online. If you post a question and people just speak matter of factly, this is the absolute truth. You know, you get that from we got that BS from the church all the time. Well, God wants you to do this. God says this. We don't know that. You don't know that. Stop saying that. Um, so at least in Transylvania, German, Powell, Brockerai, whatever you choose to call it, we just don't even go there because we don't know that. And we can't mm -hmm. speak for God because that would be us putting ego ahead of God. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's. That's not how it works. It's, you know, our, our knowledge and understanding is not as great as God's or better than. Um, so we don't make those determinations. Like we, uh, generally speaking, if somebody comes and says, you know, there is a witch and they put a curse on me. You know what? That could very well be true. Look how many witches there are in the world. You know, I mean, and not all of them are, you know, Wicca, goddess, love, flowers kind of witches. Some are like Hexerai, true negative witchcraft. Um, so if somebody says, you know, I think I have a curse on me, you might. You mm -hmm. might, you know, especially if they say this person is a witch and I, I piss them off and now all of a sudden terrible things are happening to me. Okay, got it. You know, I will do what I do and I'll praise, honor, and glory go to God. Um, if it, if it happens, but we don't analyze it. We don't try to understand, like, are they learning a life lesson? Do they need to work through some unresolved inner child mumbo jumbo? No, uh, because also you have to understand powwow is a very, it's just an old timey kind of simplistic. It is what it is, you know, and we don't, it's not new age, like whatever. We're not doing triangles and pyramids over people's heads. We're not trying to figure out their sole purpose or their mission in life or anything. Um, because we just don't go there. We don't know the answers to that. And we don't, and it's just not within our job description. <laughs> so hopefully that makes sense. But yes, yeah. I agree. What you said about your friend or the tarot reader, people are looking more for answers like that because we're just not getting them anywhere. Um, you know, people don't have that, uh, that community connection to the local pastor anymore because now there are so many churches and there's hundreds of people in each church. And it's like that, that, personal one-on-one -on -one connection is gone you know and they're absolutely right i work for the pennsylvania state government i have excellent health insurance but when i tried to see a counselor they were scheduling for 18 months out mm. that's not helpful um so even people with great insurance don't have access to the the care that they need so we seek other ways through prayer through people who are claiming to have the answers, um, which I think is dangerous, but 
you know, but every once in a while you get those sincere people who maybe they do know how to read cards and they just, you know, they're going to sit down with you and help you out and tell you what they see and let you kind of think on them for yourself. But if somebody ever claims to say they have the answer, they know what's going on. They know what your purpose is. They know why you're dealing with this. I would not trust that person. I'm sorry. I just uh, went on and on and on. No, no. I mean, it's a, it's really important. I mean, it's, it's just something that comes up a lot on the show. I mean, mm-hmm. I've had witchcraft scholars and anthropologists and so forth on. And I, often I, on episodes with them who have done so much scholarly work, I'm like, you know, you're in a really good position to be able to help people distinguishing bullshit from what's real. Even if you don't know always yourself, you're still in a better position because of all the work you've done, you know, (laughs) to be able to help people with this because like at that expo, right. Like there's so many layers to bullshit and truth there because maybe, and I know you you did a little video on like is powwow placebo, but like maybe someone who is getting that copper ring drawn around them. Well, there's the layer of bullshit of, you know, is this copper ring actually even doing anything? And then there's the layer of truth and bullshit that's like, okay, but did it work for them? Really? Did it do anything for them? Really? Then how did it do it? <laughs> Why did it do it if it did, you know? It was it placebo? Was it this? Can we so easily distinguish between those two things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Because I, all the stuff with everything that has to do with spirit and spiritual realm um, is like, there's lots of stuff to see. Like we'll never run out of stuff, spiritual stuff to see, occult phenomena, paranormal phenomena. The, the real problem comes in reading it. You know, it's like before you can read a book, you have this jumble of symbols, you know, that like just are mashed together. And, you know, before you can read, it's like they're all mashed together and you're like, what? And then suddenly, weirdly, like when you learn all the meaning starts to show up for you all the time. But then even if you do that, learning how to read a novel versus a kid's book, um, there's a very difficult novel versus a kid's book, maybe versus poetry, you know versus other languages like there are all these like levels of being able to read and i think that is the real like issue with so many things when it comes to spiritual stuff like i have people tell me about their spiritual problems all the time now and i find myself in this position where you know I'm, i'm just seeing people not being able to read not that i can always read what's happening but i can often tell them that what they're saying it is is not what it is if i can say if i can say it that way like i might not know what's happening with that like you know whatever thing that you're channeling but i could tell you like it might be bad news and you might want to think about it instead of just blindly accepting the thing that's coming through you that you think you're the spirit that you think you're channeling because of some of the things it's saying and the effect it's having on you and so forth like so i think um you know, that being able to read what's happening is really, I don't know, I guess I was, I guess I was trying to sort of see how that, if that comes up for you a lot as a practitioner, but it sounds like you're more just saying like, look, I can't even really take that on. Like what I have to do is just practice is just sort of be a servant to the, to, to the practice, you know, that's been handed to me. Um, But surely having this many people come in, you get to see patterns. I mean, you even have a little part in your book where you're like, well, you might be cursed or you're, you know, sometimes people just make shit up because they want to make their lives exciting or <laughs> whatever. And, you know, 
um, treating someone who is given to delusions of grandeur with powwow, you know, maybe there's a different ritual than treating someone who is cursed by a witch with powwow, you know? Um, yes, there is. Okay, so you're absolutely right. There's a lot of times when, you know, there are times when you, when I myself am trying for someone and I'm thinking, <laughs> your problem isn't this. Your problem is that you're just crisis oriented and dramatic and looking for attention or whatever. But what I'm saying is, have a seat, I'll try for you, mm -hmm. you know? Um, because, you know, we can read people sometimes. Sometimes you just know. I had a boyfriend who was a doctor once and people call him all the time with these like emergencies. And he was like, you know, the best thing I do for them is I tell them that they should go to the emergency room. And then suddenly it's not as bad as they said it was when they were calling me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, well, this is off topic. I, well, I don't even want to, I'll tell you the story some other time. No, go uh, ahead. No, please do. Okay. So years ago I was at, uh, I guess it was like a new age kind of Wicca shop. And there was a woman there doing tarot card readings and I was not getting a card reading, but I was just kind of shopping around looking at things. And the person she was reading for was this super dramatic young woman. She's like, oh, what's going to happen? Am I going to die? And the tarot card reader, I felt bad for because she's like, well, no, this, you know, it could mean this or this or this. I can't remember the specifics. It was like 20 years ago. Well, this girl just kept saying, but about me, am I going to die? Am I going to die? And finally, the tarot reader said, yes, you're going to die. Well, this girl jumped up running around the store. Where are my friends? Where are my friends? She told me I was going to die. And uh, I just felt so bad for the tower because she was just shaking her head. <laughs> but I thought at some point, yeah, you get sick of it and you just have to give them what they want. You know what? Yeah, that's what you want. And it's also like the one thing she can be sure that she will say yes to. Yeah, it's like the one, happens. one, yeah, exactly the one part of the reading that she knew she could be truthful about for a hundred percent, you know, yeah, <laughs> most right. likely. Yeah. Well, so. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm wondering then about, you know, we're talking about powwow in relation to illness and, and curses, but I suppose those things intersect with or come from evil sometimes. But I think that there is maybe a little bit of a conversation here to be had about powwow and, and evil. I mean, you've mentioned a few times on your channel about, you know, and the encounter with the devil and powwow in relation to demons and so forth. I wonder if we could talk about that a little bit. And let me just say, before we go here for people that are listening, whenever I bring up this stuff on the show, I always get like 10 emails about it because people become like super interested in the evil stuff, which I always find very interesting myself that they're interested. And I always have to say like, that's not the sort of meat of it. Like that's, you know, like be careful before you take the journey of exploring. So before we talk about this, I just want to say like, just, you know, check your, if you're listening, check your interest in the things that we say, you know, don't let it lead you <laughs> to a certain place just because you find it interesting or alluring. Um, I'm talking about this um, because I do want to talk about a little more deeply 
you know, powwow's place in that kind of, you know, cosmology of good and evil, uh, especially because it's shown up for you in your life personally as well. Um, so some people believe that a powwow is uh, kind of like a, a, a mediator between a person and God, um, and that some illnesses, some misfortunes and such uh, can be caused by the devil. And as Christians who believe in God, we do also believe that there is the anti-God, you know, there is that malevolent, the devil. And this mostly comes up when uh, people believe that someone has done something against them. Um, Because as we discussed a little while ago, there are people in the world that claim to be witches most of them are just fine good people doing regular work kind of like powwowing um but some some do not always have your best interest in mind and some have their own agenda and there are certain deities and such with that i would consider to be like dark malevolent entities and so if they're calling on those entities to like verhex their enemies and you know do this nasty stuff um that's coming from a place of evil you know ill intent anybody who seeks to intentionally cause someone harm or take somebody's freedom away you know for whatever reason that's evil intent um and so especially pennsylvania dutch culture there is very much that fear of the devil there's that fear of malevolent witchcraft uh which is known as hexerai that's witchcraft and a a hex is a witch um the Hexenmeister is someone like me. A Hexenmeister is a powwow who is also schooled enough in witchcraft to know how to work against it. Um, so I lost our thread. Is that, did that give you something? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we're, okay. we're, we're getting there for sure. Um, I mean, I think I'm thinking about you know, um, you, I'm thinking about, first of all, you just said now, like, okay, so we do accept the existence of the devil. Right. And I think I'm trying to sort of fit that in with powwow tradition a bit. Right. Um, because first of all, as we started the show off with, I mean, there are Christians that would say that this, the powwow itself is <laughs> the work of the devil, which obviously, I mean, it seems, seems quite untrue to me, <laughs> but, um, but, but powwow doesn't disavow the devil to, you know, doesn't say, well, no, there is no devil. So how would that even be true? It's like, no, there is. And we actually, are doing the work of God, but how, I'm sort of wondering how that fits into it. When you talk about the dark entities, I mean, most people create their own dark entities. I mean, this is just what I, is my understanding of how things work with, you know, sort of elemental beings or thought forms or whatever um, term people want to use to understand that best that we create, you know, our own problems. We create our afflictions and those afflictions are beings. Um, but that's quite different than an independent entity um, that has a sort of place in the cosmos beyond whether we just sort of think it up or um, conjure it up ourselves. 
and that those demonic or asuric or aramonic or satanic or whatever beings um find their relation in some sense also to the healing works of people that are doing you know christian work so i'm just sort of wondering how that all kind of fits together for you and you did say that you had encountered some of that in your own life so i don't you know feel free to not talk about that if it makes you feel uncomfortable or if it, it puts you in a place that makes you feel like oh i'm emphasizing it too much and i don't want to do that in my life but what you know however you want to talk about it um so there was a, a point in my life where i kind of went through well, it was, it was just a very like uh, anxiety ridden point in my life. Um, there was just a lot going on in my world and I was very busy. I was, you know, taking accounting courses and I was also learning powwow and um, I was having a, a local witch coven uh, hating on me at the time. And, you know, I lived alone and I was just like under a lot of stress and let's just say I just had this experience one night with something terrible and malevolent. And I think, well, what I learned from that is that I had put myself into such a bad, a bad frame of mind and stress that I had opened myself up to that. I had kind of, I had kind of forgotten that I'm supposed to, you know, you know, God's there with me and I'm, I need to focus on that. And I had let myself open to all this like scariness and such in my life. And so I had a really terrifying experience. Um, but so, yes, it it kind of goes to what you said. We could we could inadvertently create that for ourselves, you know, with our own fears and anxieties and stress. We could either create it or we can invite it in mm. um, either way, you know, uh, but within powwow, we. It kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, we don't we don't try to solve it or analyze it or think we just know, we know that. dark evil things are out there just as we know there are good things out there and if you're experiencing something dark and evil well we have we have various like rituals and techniques to help to help alleviate that um but if it if there's a level of like psychotherapy that's needed for the client or whatever we uh we don't fulfill that role um if somebody's dabbling in something dark or whatever i can I can only speak from my own experience that when you focus on the dark, you attract it. Uh, mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I feel like I'm not giving you a, a good answer, but it's the only one I have because we just, because there are, yes, I see what, I see what you're saying. And I see that with a lot of people who take up healing traditions and such, they take it to levels that powwow just does not powwow. Yeah. We just don't, We'll try for you. You know, we, we can't solve the problem. We can't find its root. We don't, it's not even a part of our training. It's not a part of our tradition. We just don't do that. Um, mm. You know, that's, that's between the individual and God or the individual and their doc, you know, their physician or whatever. But we, we just serve a, we serve a, just a little role in people's lives. Um, mm -hmm. So if, if they've been perhexed, if they're being, uh, plagued by some sort of dark force or creature we can do the work for them and then yeah and and, and, and in my uh position in as paranormal investigating 
um, that's where, you know, you use equipment and such to see if you're getting any kind of different readings on a scientific level to see, is there something going on? You know, is it something that we can measure? Um, it doesn't mean we don't believe the person if we don't get anything, but if nothing else, that would rule out like electrical disturbances or whatever in a house. So, but we don't even have that piece in powwow. We just, we don't do any investigative work. It's just, okay, you've told me what's happening. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do what I do. Um, and hopefully you'll make some better choices to not, you know, invite something in, but I can't give you an answer what it is because I just don't know. All I know is there is God, there is evil, you know, and we have to be, mm. we're kind of humans are kind of caught between that. And some people tap into darkness and some tap into the light. And I mean, it seems very black and white and simplistic because that's how we, that's our worldview, you know, mm. that's Pennsylvania Dutch worldview. So I don't well, that's know. medical. I mean, that's a healing worldview. I mean, like a, if a despicable person comes into the hospital, you still help them. You know, it's like it doesn't matter what's been done. And you know, I mean, I don't know what was going on in your life at that time. So you know, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to say let yourself off the hook completely, but also just to say, you know, it's not just when you dabble in the darkness that you attract darkness. You also attract it when you start developing you know um your relationship to to god and to the light and to christ because it shows up you know first of all it's part it's part of god you know i mean it's part part of the path of getting there but the it's also the resistance that you encounter it shows up to sort of fuck with you when you're doing well when you're actually going the right way in the same way that we we're talking about cultural or political or economic progress before you know, when things are going a certain way, something shows up to try to completely mollify it, its warmth. And I think that, you know, unfortunately, in the political and economic realm, <laughs> because those realms are so invaded by dark forces all the time already, things go much, much, much slower. But for an individual <laughs> and, you know, and somewhat in just the purely cultural realm, you can actually make progress much more quickly if you just kind of hold that frequency and relationship and, you know, love really. So, you know, I, I don't know what's happening at that time in your life, but also just to say, you might've just been on completely the right path and that's why these things showed up. That's, yeah. You know? Yeah. You're right. It's probably just my transition. Cause really after I came out of that period is when I felt more myself. So yeah, you go, people go through that transition period and such. Um, so yeah, even when you're, you're doing well, it can be stressful until you smooth it all out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, listen, um, Robert Phoenix, it is, it's really great to talk with you. It's really great to talk with someone who's from where I'm from essentially, and has seen some of the, the sort of, you know, the landscape and the light and the weather and, you know, heard the voices that I grew up hearing, you know, so uh, yeah, I really sure. appreciate having this conversation with you. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on your show. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> thanks. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye now.